0: Hey guys, welcome back to the No Lang Up Podcast. We will get to the interview very shortly with Rory McElroy. Real quick, wanted to make a quick announcement. We are giving away a Callaway Epic Driver for free right here on this podcast. All you have to do, this couldn't be easier, just subscribe to this podcast, go into iTunes, leave a review, five-star review, whatever you want to leave. Leave a funny comment with it, whatever. It can be any kind of essay. It can be as short or as long as you want. Leave a funny review in iTunes for us. Uh, Independent third party is going to go through all of these and choose the funniest response, funniest review, and we are going to send you a Callaway Epic Driver for that. Again, totally free. Take two seconds of your time. Go in and review it in iTunes. Enter yourself in to to win this uh, Epic Driver. For now, let's get to the interview with Rory McIlroy.
1: On the tee from Northern Ireland, Rory McIlroy.
0: Of today yes
1: Johnny, that's better than most how about him that is better than most better than
0: most <laughs> expect anything Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up Podcast. I'm Chris Solomon, joined for the second time, four-time major champion, number two player in the world, and maybe the most bored guy I know at the moment, Rory McElroy. How bad is it, man?
1: Um, it's so bad that I actually asked you to come back on the podcast, <laughs> so that's how bored I am. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. I, I didn't ask you this morning if, whether it was too soon to come back on, but um, thankfully... Thankfully, you give me another
0: shot so here I am yeah really inconvenient for me it was real tough to move move my schedule around to make this happen but you know that's what we that's what we do for our guests but uh so you've been holed up with injury for a while imagine uh how far along are you in the wedding planning how much is, of your time is that taking up at the moment
1: yeah that's that's basically you know I'm not really much good for anything else right now so at least I can lend a bit of time to that um, but yeah no it's going well we're we're back in back in Northern Ireland for the next couple of days and getting a few things sorted. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of, you know, I was just saying to you there, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's annoying because it's, you know, I feel like I can do everything else that I want. Like I can like perform everyday activities and, you know, I feel comfortable. I can, I can take a deep breath again I can sleep well, but I just, uh, you know, I just, I'm, I'm uncomfortable swinging a golf club. So obviously that's what I want to do. So, um, yeah, it's a little, a little bit frustrating at the minute, but I know just with a, a little bit of rest, um, hopefully I'll be back hitting balls in a couple of weeks, and then that gives me a, a decent amount of time to to get ready for for trying to get back from Mexico, but ultimately, obviously, trying to get trying to get ready for the start of the April and uh, and be ready for Augusta.
0: Yeah, so that was my next question. Sounds like Mexico is still the goal. Now, hearing you talk about it now, does it? I didn't get the sense when I was watching you in South Africa that it was bothering you that much, that you really had that much trouble swinging a club, so is it is it worse? Is what happened in South Africa, did it make it worse at all, or do you feel worse about the current state of it right now than you did when you left Africa?
1: No, no. I mean, it feels much better than, okay. than when I left Africa, for sure. Um, obviously, I had a lot of uh, physio treatment on it, and you know they give me a few anti-inflammatories and painkillers, so obviously, I mean, it, it, you know, you can get through, I think the worst thing what's happened is I, I felt it go, I mean, it was, a, it was sort of building up for a while, I sort of had tightness in the, the sort of upper left side of my back, um, and then on the Friday of the tournament, as I was hitting balls, going, you know, getting ready to go into play, I obviously felt this twinge, and, and, you know, I was thinking about pulling out right there and then, because obviously, it, you know, it, it felt pretty bad, and I mean, it wasn't, you know, I could still swing a golf club, but the the worst thing was it was pretty hot down there. And, you know, you're walking and you're out there for five hours or whatever. And, like, I couldn't take a deep breath. And then I felt these short, shallow breaths. So it was like I was getting lightheaded and I felt like I was going to hyperventilate. So that was the, that was really the big problem on Friday. But then I think what happened, obviously, I, I've, you know, got the stress fracture and then I've played on with it for three, three more days and I'm getting treated down there with the physios not really knowing what it is. You know, they feel like it's a muscle spasm in the back. They don't, you know, and obviously, they, you know, no one can see because, you know, I didn't get a scan down there. I only got a scan when I got back to Dubai. So, you know, I'm, I'm you know, whether I did more damage to it for playing through it, um, probably. But, I mean, I, I wasn't to know at the time. And, you know, I, I would have felt pretty bad pulling out whenever, you know, I'm done in South Africa and I'm doing Ernie a favor and, you know, it was pretty apparent that, you know, a lot of the people that came to the golf were, you know, were down to see me and um, you know, I I played through it and it was fine and um, but I I didn't really know the extent of of what had happened until obviously we we got to Dubai and and did the scan.
0: That crowd down there was pretty crazy, wasn't it? I mean well first of all they've never heard of the phone rules at all
1: no, but that's, that's fine, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's <laughs> like, you go, that's that's nothing compared to going to play in China or Korea, yeah. you know, that's like, it's nothing, it's fine, and if everyone's doing it, I don't mind, and I think, you know, if, you know, I think it's, I really, I think they have adopted it on the PJ Tour, but it's, if people have their cameras out, and as long as they're on silent, that's totally fine, like, I, I have no problem with that whatsoever, um, you know, it's, at the end of the day, we're out there to, Right there to try and win and, and try to play well, but we're entertaining crowds as well. I mean, they pay money to come see us, and you know the least that they can have is a picture or something like a souvenir from from their day out watching some of the best players in the world play. So um, I have no problem with that if everyone's doing it, and even even if there is a few flashes going off or whatever, if it's a constant noise, it's okay. It's just that just that one that one noise that yeah. that puts you off. That's the thing that that is tough so um but yeah i have no problem with with phones on courses or, or or cameras or whatever it's like i mean if you know if, if that's what puts you i mean look, i get it if it's just a very sudden noise but um you know you should be in the zone or concentrating enough that it doesn't bother you that much
0: what about a shirtless guy running across the fairway on the 18th hole
1: I saw so, so I like I I watched that back. I saw that clip on Twitter, and I had no clue that that had happened. Like I didn't see him.
0: It was right in front know, of you.
1: I don't know, and I I was sitting there watching. I was like, "How did I not see this guy? That's like ridiculous."
0: Nobody noticed it. That was the best part. But yeah, I
1: know it was. <laughs> it's like oh, it was.
0: It's um, Africa. It's I gotta, Africa. I chuckle out of that one. When you're so when you're off like like you are now, how much golf do you watch? Even either for injury time off. I know you haven't had a lot of injury time off in your career, but injury and just in your off weeks, do you watch a lot of golf?
1: This is really bad. This is how much I try to tell people I'm not a fan. I don't watch that much golf. But like the other night, I think I was in Dubai and Tiger and DJ and Jason were teeing off at like. I don't know what time it was, it was maybe 2 o'clock in the morning, Dubai time, and I went to bed, and like, I, I woke up, and it was like, uh, I might have had to go to the bathroom or whatever, but I sort of saw the time, it was like 2.30, and I was like, mm, maybe I'll stay up and watch a few holes, <laughs> <laughs> so I actually I actually stayed up and watched most of it through the night. Um, so. I, I, I watch a good bit. I mean I like it was it was Tigers first first week back in a while and I was sort of intrigued to see how it was, just like everyone else. So um so yeah, I, I got up in the middle of the night to watch that. So um I guess I am a bit of a golf fan. That's
0: that's a good thing. You don't have to be embarrassed by that, but <laughs> Yeah,
1: I don't know. I just I I think it's the cool the cool answer to be like, No, I don't watch that much golf when I'm off or whatever, but um yeah, I mean when I'm off and I wanna be there uh, you know, I, I watch a good bit of it and as well. Like I, I knew that DJ. If DJ had a good week, he'd, he'd go above me in the world rankings. <laughs> you know, so I'm sort of keeping an eye out on those guys. Hopefully, hopefully they're not, you know, pulling away from me too much. But um. Apart from Tiger missing the cut last week, all in all, it was a it was a decent week. Both those guys didn't do too well, so I, I didn't fall behind too much.
0: And you may have yourself uh, maybe maybe some open competition there for a new Ryder Cup teammate as well. Assuming assuming you're going to be in John Rahm's ear about taking up European Tour membership, but uh, <laughs> I, I would I would think with the with the new changes
1: to the European Tour format, or you know, the changes up from five to four. And especially now, look, like he's got his card and he's got like playing privileges and he's I mean he, he's gonna be. I mean and his, his name did come up quite a few times in, in meetings over the past sort of six months. We're like, you know what if you know, we need to, to to make it attractive enough that John Ram wants to come over and be a member of the tour and be on the Ryder Cup team and, and now he's like like he's got no excuse. I mean he's 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 just one on the PGA tour. I mean he's the You know and everyone knew he was such a great player but i don't think anyone knew i mean i thought down the stretch last week he was awesome so um you know hopefully he continues to play that way and he'd be a huge asset for us in in front
0: i know you're paying attention to this because we uh we exchanged a few messages on it but uh uh, uh, what did you think of what jt how jt started off the season
1: oh it was unbelievable it was um it was it was cool to watch. I mean, like I, obviously I've I've played a lot with JT and I've you know I've I've have seen glimpses of it either whether it be at home at the Bears Club or or on tour and um, yeah it was it was impressive. I mean to follow it up. I mean obviously how great he played um, at Kapalua and then following it up and going and shooting 59 next week and winning Sony by however many shots it was. Um, it was it was really impressive, and, and obviously so happy for him as well. I mean, he's such a good guy. Um, so yeah, it's you know it's, it's it's been a great start to the season. I mean, there's some really young guys that have done well. I and mean, you've got Hideki, obviously played great before the little break that we had, and then um, JT's come out and played great, and then John Ram, and it's um, it, it's shaping up to be a really good year.
0: Did you 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 were also tweeting a little bit this week about uh watching the Australian Open tennis. I'm here to to give you all my expert opinion on uh on that final match. But uh do you have a relationship with Roger Roger Federer at all? Did you talk to him at all since he won the open?
1: Um no. I I have not if anything I've probably a little more of a relationship with Rafa than mm-hmm. I do Roger, but I mean I know both guys from um hanging around the tennis tour for a bit and whatever and it was like again like Sunday couldn't have got much better for me as a as a sports fan because um, Carl Frampton, uh, world champion boxer from here in Northern Ireland, uh, he fought at like eight thirty in the morning um, Dubai time, and then that fight went twelve rounds and went the distance, and then um, then I actually went out for a walk. That's the other thing about being injured; I can't really do much, but. I don't want to get fat, so like I need to go and move and do stuff and try not to eat as much and whatever. So, went out for a walk just to try and burn a few calories, and then got back and watched the Australian Open final. It was like the perfect Sunday.
0: So, speaking of like the perfect Sunday, and talking about watching golf, uh, if you were to build, I wanted to ask you a few questions about in general by how, how the way you think golf is covered. Um, and I want to know if you're watch, If you're like a golf fan, what's your dream broadcast team? From like on course commentary, like in the booth. Like if you're building a, a dream commentary team, who you who's on your team?
1: Okay, um, I'd say on the course would be uh, David Faraday and Wayne Riley, who does the European Tour coverage on on Sky Sports. Um, both really funny guys, both really good guys. Uh, I think that'd be great um, in the booth uh, I really like Faldo I think Faldo's a really good golf analyst um, he, he speaks a lot of sense um, and he's been there and done it I think that's a huge thing as well but some of these guys I mean and' like like someone you know like someone like Johnny Miller who some people can say can be overcritical at times um, I don't like I, I I see that in a way but at the same time like Johnny's been there and done it and Johnny probably played some of the best golf ever mm-hmm. in stretches of his career so I mean he and he, you know he, he remembers how easy it was at, at those times I don't think he remembers how hard it can be sometimes but I don't mind taking a little bit of criticism from him because he's been there and done it um, so I think Johnny would be in there too um, Jim Nance just because of the voice I guess uh, who else? Who else would be there? I think Dottie Pepper is really good. Um, I think she. I think again, she. She gets it. She. She knows the game really well, obviously, and she was a great player in her own right. But I think she calls the shots really well. She. She calls like this is a bad lie. This is a good lie. Um, this shot will be difficult. This should be easy. Whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of good ones out there. I mean. There's there's a few there's a few bad ones that I won't mention, but I think the majority of them are pretty good.
0: You're not gonna bring, you're not gonna bring Brandel into the booth or for the, the no. post round commentary. <laughs>
1: um, honestly, like the thing is, I I agree with a lot of stuff that he says. Like I really do. I think he he's very knowledgeable on the golf swing, and I think he he does he does talk a lot of sense. Um, but sometimes you know if if I if I see someone that 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 makes a comment about something that they're maybe not quite as up on as some other things, um, I like to just you know because you you know you have a have a platform that that you can reach a lot of people, and sometimes if if what you're telling them is a little bit misguided or not quite correct, I mean that can you you know you don't know where that information can flow to, so sometimes I just try to. Not right wrongs, but but at least give a factual side of the story. I mean, because there's so much subjective stuff out there. I just like to be a little bit objective at, at times and and try to yeah, I guess try to set the story straight. I guess
0: yeah. And I know he's he's given you some grief in the past about your fitness regimen. I know you've covered your fitness regimen in a lot of places, but kind of I don't think I ever asked you um, what what. How how would you compare? So tying this back to your injury, some people want to point immediately to towards you know working out and ca- it causing injury. Uh, and I heard you talk to Bacon just a bit about how you know you, you have, have trained professionals that are looking after every step you take. And I was curious if you had any insight as to. How your training regimen or your philosophy differs at all from somebody like Tiger, who kind of revolutionized the fitness game? I don't know if you guys have ever really worked out together, but how is it similar? How's it different? Kind of what your guys' goals are in the in the gym?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think everyone's fundamental goals, you know, as, as a golfer, are to stay injury free. I think that's a big thing, and that's the reason that. For me, anyway, that's the reason that I got into it because I've I've struggled with a bad back for a long time. I mean, when I was I remember when I was seventeen years old, like in in amateur tournaments, really struggling with my back and thinking about pulling out of events. And I like I didn't know what a gym was back then, um, you know. So I've, I've had back problems because I mean I've 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 swung a golf club since I was two years of age, you know, and and swinging a golf club is one of the worst things you can do for your back no matter how you swing it i mean people can say if you don't restrict your hip rotation on the way back and, and everything but it's still you know you're putting a lot of stress and a lot of torque on your spine um especially when you're trying to get it out there and you're hitting it hard and obviously trying to trying to get maximum distance out of it too so um so that that's my big thing is is if i can protect my back by being stronger and, and making it more robust and and we, like Uh, we call them shock absorbers if you can if you can put shock absorbers on your body to to protect your joints to protect your your bones obviously i don't have enough shock absorbers because i'm out with a bone injury but um but you know what i mean like if you can if you you can be strong in the right areas and stabilize the right parts of your body it can only help and it can only lead to longevity as well and i i sort of i think i alluded to this in in shane's podcast last week but you know, it might be time because of how athletic golf is now, and, and how much more of a power sport it is. Um, you're going to see guys maybe not play into their fifties, and and maybe that's okay. Maybe maybe having a, a twenty year career instead of a thirty year career in golf is okay. You know, it, it's it's still a long career, and you can still got you can still achieve a lot of goals, and you can still you know you can still do a lot of things in the game if you have that window. Um, so, you know, it, it seems like it is going to go that way um, just because of, you know, coaching methods and because people have figured out, okay, this is the, you know, the, maybe the most efficient way to swing a golf club. And maybe if the most efficient way to swing a golf club means you're going to pick up a few injuries or a few niggles along the way, you know, that it, it mightn't be a bad price to pay. Yeah. And that's, that's sort of the, you know, but at the same time, the work that you do in the gym should hopefully negate those effects that that your swing may have in your body
0: yeah do you do you think also there is a a certain level and i'm not sure the best way to ask it but being in good shape and having strong fitness strong muscles also just uh adds to a level of comfort in your own skin and kind of confidence do you think there is there an element of that that goes into something that translates onto the course as well just feeling confident you know standing on two feet and and feeling muscular is, is there something to that
1: I don't think it's about feeling muscular I think it's about having I mean a lot of the stuff that I focus on is on posture mm-hmm. I think I think having good posture makes you feel better it makes you feel taller it makes you feel makes you feel stronger anyway you know if your shoulders are back you know and you're in the right posture and you're you know it, it you know that's all of us you know all of a sudden that's a you know a more positive way to to carry yourself so um it it mightn't even be about muscular it might just be cuz we don't look we don't need to intimidate anyone on a golf course you right. know we're not you know we're not trying to you know sort of hit them or you know or or whatever but um i think yeah posture is a, is a big thing and i think you know talking to a lot of guys and obviously we're you know golf is so so hard on your posterior chain and your back and and if if you can really concentrate on that and make that as strong as possible and as robust as possible Um, and yeah of course like being strong in the right areas is great and and it helps somewhat for golf but yeah of course I mean since going in the gym and you know sort of not transforming my body but sort of you know it's it's a different look of course I feel a bit better about myself there is a bit of a confidence thing there but I'm not sure that I'm not sure that that's helped my game, but I, I think getting strong in the right areas and and making my swing more efficient and and hopefully being less prone to injury. You know, that's that's what's the big help to your game.
0: Yeah, I've never really understood the uh the criticism that has come with uh, somebody getting in shape. I thought only golf would would ever criticize its own athletes yeah. for being in better physical shape. But in I along know. that same line, uh what do you I'm just curious as to what you think uh about the current state of the way golf is covered and if you were in in charge of that, uh what what would you do differently about the way golf is covered and do you think it's kind of a sport that lags behind uh the way the way it's covered compared to other major sports?
1: Um, I mean I think golf has taken huge strides over the past couple of years in terms of um, like social media activity like for example you know I, I've repeatedly said that all of you guys and the guys that, that I want to give time to you know the likes of yourself and the people that I've mentioned over the past few weeks you know you guys have, have made golf fun to follow again because it's a different take on it it's more aimed at millennials it's fun it's you know it's yeah it's 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 the way it should be and it's the social media age and and this is what people appreciate um and you got to look at something like like the european like i think what the european tour have been doing in terms of social has been unbelievable yeah. with um obviously the little interviews with billy or um you know the mannequin challenge thing that they did or even that awkward reporter that they did in Abu Dhabi. I mean, it's like, I mean, that stuff is gold. Like, that is awesome. And people talk about growing the game. I mean, this this is one of the best ways to grow the game, is to, is to put stuff like that out there. And, you know, that gets more people into it. It makes people see that golf isn't this uptight sport that's only for... Rich, fat, white guys. It's it's for everyone, and everyone can come and play it, and it's it's open to everyone, and it it's 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 way better. So I think golf has has taken some great strides over the past few years, and um, hopefully, it continues in this vein for for a long time.
0: Well, I got a I got a similar idea. I'll, I'm going to run by you when we're done here for the memorial this year. So remind me on that. But we 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 got some. We can have some good good fun with the the PGA Tour folks as well. But um, I I just, I'm asking that question as well in, in line with the same one, like how does it feel knowing that you know people that write for blogs or websites are sitting there, like listening to this right now, waiting to, and everything you say like in a press conference, they're sitting there and they're waiting to turn it into a blog post anytime you say, because anytime you say something interesting, uh, it's news, like somebody like Jack Nicholas never really had to deal with that, Bobby Jones, uh, Tiger I think kind of transformed that a little bit, but. I, like what do you I know you're you are you are pretty open with the media and you're not that careful with what you say but you I, there's got to be times where you've been burned and it's got to still be something on your mind is that accurate to say
1: Yeah of course I mean I think that's that's very accurate there's yeah there's there's things that you want to avoid talking about and there's things that that are just like you know I, you would rather not go there or um yeah I've been burned a few times I mean some off the cuff comment that I think is harmless can be spun in such a way that you you really didn't mean for it to be that way. Or, you know, people can take what they want from it. And of course you you need to, you need to be careful about what you say, but also about how you say things. Um, But I'm, yeah, look, I'm not, I I don't want to be guarded. I don't want, I want to be as open as possible and I think people appreciate that. I think people, you know, they, I think one of the, one of the great things about social media is you know, fans and people that follow you can get to know you a little bit better, and you can, you know, you can be your you can be yourself. You can you can let them into a little bit of your life, and and that's okay. Um, so it's not just okay; it's great. It's great to be able to connect with these people that, that support you and follow you. So, um, but yeah, of course, you need to be careful about what you say every now and again. But as I said, I feel people appreciate the the openness and, and the honesty of of guys that that speak their mind and 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 try to i guess keep it real yeah. I, I guess that's the thing and, and that's what i try to do
0: yeah without a doubt i think i, I asked that question first because the next one i think could get could get construed in the wrong way but i i'm asking this in a light-hearted <laughs> way because i've lived in europe for a few years now obviously i grew up in the states and i loved asking europeans like what they find absurd or funny about americans it's a little different from you. You're a European, lives in the U.S., and the U.S. has been a big part of your life and culture for a long time. But not growing up in the States, and, and I'm just curious, what what do you find baffling or just kind of amusing about Americans in general?
1: Uh, oh, <laughs> their,
0: their fascination with guns. Okay. That's a big thing. Um,
1: not wanting to get too political. Um, I guess for me, like I, I, it always baffles me because I think, like I, you know, in Europe or especially where where I'm from, like I wouldn't know the first place to go to try and buy a gun or get a gun or whatever like that. Where you, know, you you can literally walk into a Walmart in the states, and if you're of a legal age and you can get a license, you can you can buy. Like I remember seeing a gun for the first time in the states, and I was like, oh my god, that's that's. You know, you're it's sort of scary, but um, like I guess it's a it's a right that that citizens have, and and I respect that and whatever. But I've always found that a little unnerving just because of the taboo around guns where I'm from, because of where I'm from and the troubles and everything. It's just it's a little bit different, um, but. Going more lighthearted, I yeah.
0: guess. Um, <laughs> That's what I was going to go lighthearted. Like people always yeah. tell me that we're really loud, but you went it's, straight for guns, man. I didn't see that yeah, coming.
1: Well, I don't know. Um, let's see. Let's see. Lighthearted. Uh, I've like I've I've played I've played and traveled to the U.S. since I was a kid, um, and I've always really enjoyed. I mean, I've always enjoyed it. I think the one thing that I like about it, I don't know if it's because of my Irishness or whatever, but people are always super friendly, like really friendly. Um, And it's because, you know, I always feel like anytime you meet an American, they say, Oh, I'm half Irish or quarter Irish or whatever. And so there's always some sort of instant connection there. Um, but, uh, geez, I, I mean, like America is, is where I've sort of made my home now and I'm going to have an American wife very soon. And, um, I don't really want to say too much bad stuff.
0: So. <laughs> I didn't even say uh, bad wanna, stuff. I
1: don't want to get
0: in trouble. <laughs> I didn't say you had to go for bad stuff. That's where your mind went. But how are um, how are you and Erica going to decide uh, what your either what Ryder Cup or Solheim Cup team your kids are going to play for? Oh
1: geez, um, I guess they'll be. Oh, will they be drill citizens?
0: One day. Um, you thought you were going to get away from your Great oh, Britain, Ireland, uh, having to well, make no, a decision. That's fine. I, don't, I
1: don't, yeah. Now
0: you, they, you have to decide between continents. They, uh, that's
1: a, that's a tough one. They got, they, they got to follow. I mean, Erica did a pretty good job supporting the Europeans this year or last year. So I think we're, we're going to have to stay with Europe on that one.
0: Yeah, that was, that was your safer answer there too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I want to know. You you seem to me like to be a very easy guy to get to know, which kind of surprises me for a guy of your of your level of fame. So, I want to know how like how big is your circle? Like your circle of friends? How big is the group of people that you stay really close with that you hang out with in Florida in Ireland? Because I don't really hear a lot about like your your big group, or I think you you kind of keep that close to the chest. But how big is that group? Do you, you keep a pretty tight knit group?
1: Uh, I do. I mean, I have. I, I have a handful of very close friends, um, that I've, that I've known my whole life basically. Um, and then like I have, obviously I have guys that I know from tour and guys that I've, that I've played golf with growing up and whatever. But, um, yeah, it is, it's pretty, it's like, it's hard. I mean, when you get in a position like this, um, I know the people that have known me since I was a since I was a kid and, and just know me as as who I am and not the the guy that um, is this good golfer and has won golf tournaments and and all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, there's people from back home who I would deem as as very close friends, my best friends, and then I've got acquaintances, I guess, um, but more than that, more than acquaintances, I mean friends. You know, friends that. I like to hang out with and friends that I really enjoy spending time with, but um, mostly you know, the, the, the guys that I grew up at home with, they're the, they're the really close ones and, and the ones that, um, if I would ever be in trouble or if I ever needed anything, they're the, the first ones I call.
0: I guess, have you ever been burned by any people close to you at some point in your life, letting you down or simply clearly just wanting something from you that was inappropriate in any way? Um
1: well yes, of course. I mean like I w I went through I went through a legal battle with a former manager at one point, so like I, I know all about being burned and about feeling like you've been taken advantage of I guess. But um in terms of friendships, uh not really. No. I mean I I I'm 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 a pretty trusting person, I'm a pretty open person, but um again I think you know the people that I have around me are, are are lifelong friends and and don't really want anything else from me but but to you know just continue that friendship I guess but uh, yeah it's 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 hard you 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 go through life and it's you know it you do automatically have have this extra layer or this you put your guard up a little a little more often because you're a little skeptical and you don't know whether someone's being friendly just because they're being friendly on something or, you know, but it's, it's, it's the way of the world, I guess. And, and with someone in my position, you, just, you always just have to be a little bit skeptical at times. But I think I'm a pretty good judge of, of who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. And you know, I, I feel like I, I can make a pretty good judgment on, on people pretty quickly
0: when you're in town for like a tournament week what does it look like socially for you i mean i imagine like every stop you go there's somebody that you know in some connection that wants to have a meal do you mostly keep to yourself during a tournament week or do you you know limit yourself to one or two nights out for a, an easy dinner or what does it typically look like
1: yeah i mean i'd i'd much rather go out for dinner at tournament weeks than, than stay in the hotel room or have room service um, unless we're renting a house and and you know we'll stay in and, and cook or whatever but um yeah, I mean, typical week is usually, uh, yeah, as you said. I mean, I you know, you know, I'm at the point now. I'm, this is, I think, this is my. I've, I've been on tour a decade, so like, I've I've gotten to know people pretty much at every at every tour stop that I go to. And um, yeah, of course, there's people that wanna that wanna have dinner and and wanna take you out and whatever. And that's and that's really nice. But yeah, you try to limit it to maybe one or two nights a week, and and just try to do something quiet, whether it's with the team. Um, like, if, if my family are there, or Eric is there, or, or whoever, like, I, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd go out for dinner with them most of the time. Um, but then there's there's other points where, you know, you'll catch up with some of the guys, some of the guys on tour, whether it be Ricky or JT or um, or whoever, you know, you'll go out and you'll you'll have a bit of dinner with those guys as well. But um, for the most part, it's, it's pretty much, um, you know, it's, it's sort of got to the point now where everyone has their little team around them, whether it be, Coach, caddy, physio, uh, manager, whoever. So, um, I think most guys know I just sort of stick to that.
0: That was actually my next question. I, I feel like you you seem to be pretty involved, kind of in handling like your own affairs. For instance, if I want a, a player on the podcast, I typically have to go through their agent or manager in some way to get it arranged. But do you keep? How big is your team in general? And do you is that something that you kind of like to? Do you keep it small on purpose and keep. Uh, I guess kind of the executive decisions and the small day to day stuff. Do you try, like to keep that really close to you, or do, is that like very well handled by your management office? What's your overall strategy or thought process in that in that regard?
1: Yeah, um, I sort of uh, look. I'm in a very I'm in a very fortunate position where I sort of do the things that I want to do, especially this sort of stuff. I mean, I you know if I, if if I like something or I want to do something. I'll do it. It's not as if I need to go through people to, to sort of get the okay from it. Um, and that's a nice thing about being in this position. But um, I think I I directly employ um, directly employ like 10, 11 people. Uh, but then indirectly, I have probably around 30 people working for me, like from financial guys, tax guys, um, legal counsel, um, brand agencies, uh, oh, there's so much I mean, there's so much stuff that goes into it and like I would never have dreamed that I would have all these people around me whenever I was starting off my career. I didn't have a clue about all this sort of stuff, but yeah, I mean, indirectly there's there's probably around thirty people that that work for me. Which is which is nuts to think about, but I guess it's just the, the way it is.
0: Does that stuff at this point kind of run itself, though, or are you heavily involved in the day to day with a lot of those people?
1: Um, so we have we have quarterly board meetings, um, so like four, four board meetings a year. That basically, I just get an update on what's going on. Um, so I'm not I'm not I'm not that involved, but obviously, I need to be involved in some of the decisions and and stuff that's going on. Obviously, but um, but, but yeah, they, they try to whittle it down for me so that, you know, they, they give me a brief summary of, of everything that's going on. And if I need to make a few decisions here and there, I do. But, you know, I, I try to stay out of it for the most part.
0: After you, let's say you win a tournament, what do you do next? Like I, I imagine your media requests shoot through the roof that following week. But do you ever like change plans and just say, "Hey, let's go to this island this week"? Or do you ever, do you ever like, do you really reward yourself after a win? Or what's your, what's your normal? Your no- I guess we get, at this point with as many times as you've won, we can say there's a normal routine after it. <laughs> yeah, <but>. Normal routine.
1: <laughs> um, you know, I, I took a bit of advice from Padraig Harrington back in the day. Um. And, and he said really savor your wins because as a golfer we lose much more than we win which is very true you know we, we do we you know we, we get the opportunity to win a few times a year and hopefully you take a few of those and um, but you know like when you know winning you know winning three or four times a year is a is a pretty big success in golf you know not many people enjoy that sort of success so you have to you have to enjoy your wins I mean what's what's all the hard work for and, and everything if you can't enjoy it when you actually do it so um yeah i mean of course i i wouldn't say i have a set routine but i mean it it would usually involve a few beers or a few bottles of wine or a few something just to you know we we try to be disciplined throughout the year to to get ourselves in a position where we can win big tournaments and and achieve big goals so um like even after even after the FedEx Cup last year and, and winning the Tour Championship, I mean, like I I I had a massive hangover that Monday. Um, but we had a day off, so that was fine. But I mean, usually not the best way to start a Ryder Cup week. But you, know, you have to enjoy your successes. And thankfully, by Friday, I was I was feeling okay and was able to play pretty well. But. Um, yeah geez you gotta do these things I mean you gotta enjoy the success I mean if you don't enjoy it then what's the point in doing
0: it yeah I was gonna judge you if the answer was anything other than that so that's good yeah exactly uh, are you going you, you missed out on it last year famously are you going to spring break 2K, 2k17
1: I um not going to spring break 2K17, no. I think... Um, you have
0: other priorities that month? <laughs> I've, I've, uh, I
1: have a few things going on in
0: April. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that was the answer, but wasn't sure <laughs> if... Uh, it, yeah, it looks like you're missing out two years in a row. Yeah, yeah. Are you... Uh, going going back a bit from your junior days, um, were there any tournaments specifically that like eluded you or guys growing up that just had your number that still like kind of stick with you, that you still remember?
1: Yeah. Yeah, there was a guy who, like, for like, I might have beaten him once or twice, but there was a guy from Arizona called Philip Francis, um, who he actually went to UCLA and played college golf. I'm not sure what he's doing now, um, but like, I just could not beat this kid. Uh, he won everything that we played in, whether it be Junior World or whatever else. Um, so Philip Francis, he was like. He was the stud of our age division back in the day and he yeah he was he was really good um, and he was a really good guy as well actually it was um, Philip Francis uh, Scott Pinckney who, who played on tour last year um, Tony Finau, myself um, there was a few of us and yeah so Philip Francis was the one I, I felt like I could never beat him I might have gotten the better of him a couple of times but but that was it. Um, And then I never made it past the first round of the British Amateur either. That was one of the big things. I remember playing Lytham in 07, uh, qualified pretty easily, um, the 36-hole stroke play, and going into the match play, last 64, I draw a guy called Daniel Willett um, in the first round, and I'd never heard of the guy before. I was like, Daniel Willett, never heard of him, he should be easy. Danny was 6-under through 7 (laughs) and I was like I think I was like four or five down I actually ended up making a bit of a comeback but he beat me two and one I was like this guy's actually pretty good and then he ended up playing on the Walker Cup team um yeah so we played the Walker Cup together that year and then obviously Danny's went on to to do what he's done and Masters Champ and and everything so you know he was another one that um yeah I think I was playing well that week as well if I had just got past Danny I might have made a bit of a run but um yeah there
0: you go your your memory of the, uh, the specific memory like being six down or six under through seven and throw i I heard your interviews before where you can reference like yeah two thousand and seven I hit seven iron from one eighty six like you you can tell how much some of this stuff sticks with you i wasn 't uh, I thought you were going to say the Irish amateur based on what a conversation you and I had uh, a few months yeah. ago.
1: I go, well yeah, Irish amateur as well. That was the only one that I didn't that I didn't win. I mean there's again, it's like, you know, even though you know, I, I've went on since then and I've achieved quite a lot and I've I've done whatever I've done, like these things still sting a little bit and it's they shouldn't because I mean what does it matter now? But at the same time it's like, oh, you know, it's just that little tinge of regret that you didn't that you didn't win it or you didn't get the better of whatever guy it was. But uh yeah, Port Marnock two thousand Six um, Yeah Irish stroke play Yeah that was That was tough That was one of those ones where You know It came down to It was a playoff And even before that Like even the back nine Was a bit of a battle And I just kept hitting fairways And kept hitting greens And wasn't holding anything And um, This finished Left-hander Anteohokas, um Basically hitting it all over the place But getting up and down from everywhere And then he did the exact same thing Like I a guy hit fairways and greens in the playoff, the first two holes, but didn't make didn't make a birdie. He he up and downed it both times, and then we both hit it onto the next green, uh, like a thirty footer and missed. And then he held from like twenty feet to win. So, anyways, it's <laughs> fine. It's, it's it's fine. It's I'm not I'm not too bitter about it. But Ten and, the, and a half um, years
0: ago, you can you can list the hole by hole.
1: <laughs> I know exactly, but it is like it's. I, it shouldn't. It's funny, like it shouldn't bug you, but I think just being a competitor and, and being proud of my record and 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 all that stuff, it still still gets me a little bit.
0: My my reason for asking that or a transition there is, it seems you've won four majors, obviously. Other than the 2010 PGA, uh, I don't feel like I'm, I'm discounting the 2011 Masters. Uh, a, I think that's a different category, but I don't feel like you've had any really. Major close calls in a major that you know you've won four without having like that real heartbreak of being super super close. Do you attribute that to anything like not even like even Tiger had a ton of like third place finishes and a a few runner ups and not nearly as many as Nicholas did. But uh, do you equate that to anything in particular?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um, I definitely feel like I've 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 turned into a decent closer. Um I think early on in my career that would have been a bit of a criticism. I I, I used to get myself in decent positions, um, but especially back in like oh9 and '10, and even '11, um, where I get myself in decent positions after three rounds, and then I throw a 73 or a 74 at it and finish wherever. So, um, but I, it took me it took me a while to learn how to close tournaments out. Um, probably took me a little bit longer than than some guys, but. Um, Luckily, I was. I've been on tour since I was eighteen, so I, I had a bit of time to learn. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like I finished third in the PGA Hazeltine in '09. Finished third at St Andrews in '10. Um, finished one shot out of the playoff at Whistling Straits in '10. Um, and then obviously I had that. Obviously had had that bad afternoon at Augusta in '11. And I think that's really what changed things. I almost like you need to go through something like that or at least I did to to really learn from it and and I did I really did I I learned a lot from that and not you know people say they learn from their successes and they learn but I I really learned from that because like I just I knew what not to do like I remember my thought process and I remember everything that happened that day so at least I knew going forward okay uh, I I don't really want to do that again so so then you know and then I you know, I, I was able to win the U.S. Open, and and everything just sort of kicked on from there. But um, you know, I think yeah, the catalyst for for becoming a, a decent closer was 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 that what happened at Augusta that afternoon?
0: Do you did the way people kind of frame Tiger's career, and I think he kind of he made the he cut it out for them and you know, putting his goals so high. But obviously, he did things at the at the highest level that people have never done before. But It certainly appears as if he's going to come up short of 18 majors and almost from the last, you know, look, people look at his career as at this point as what could have been. Um, Did that did the way that people kind of viewed that uh, affect the way you kind of set your own goals? You've always been, uh, you know, you've said it in the past, you want to become, you know, the best European player of all time. You want to win the career grand slam, but you never gave yourself this too high of a measure to measure yourself against and for the people to point at and say you didn't make it did what happened with tiger influence that at all
1: i think so a little bit like i've always been one to set lofty goals and and yeah like i've openly said look of course i want to i want to try to become the best european ever and but i think they're very they're very realistic goals they're they're goals that are achievable and um but again at the same time like you know, say that doesn't happen, I'm still not going to view my career as a failure. I mean, I, I still feel like I achieved, you know, if, if it was all to go away tomorrow, I still feel like I've achieved a lot in the game, and I've I've set out, for the most part, what I wanted to do. I mean, when I was nine years old, I said I wanted to be the best golfer in the world and win all the majors. Well, I'd, I'd you know, pre- I've pretty much done all that apart from one thing, so like, and it's the same thing with Tiger. It's like he set out to win 19 majors, or you know, surpassed Jack or whatever. But you know, he's won 14 majors. He's won 80 times on the PGA Tour. He's won over a hundred times worldwide. You know, that is not a failure. I mean, mm-hmm. um, but, but unfortunately, people are going to see his career as a failure because he didn't achieve what he set out to achieve, and that's ludicrous. Like absolutely ludicrous. He he played the best golf of anyone in the world ever. For like a 10 year stretch, that you know, it, it was golf that no one had seen before, yeah. You know, and it was just it brought so many people to the sport and it ignited a generation of golfers that you see now coming through the likes of Justin Thomas, Hideki Matsuyama, Jordan Spieth, John Ram, myself oh, just so many guys, you know, that were just inspired by what he did on a golf course. So, you know, he he transcended the game of golf and. He is nothing but a success and a credit to the game of golf. And I would love if he would just give it one last run. If he if he was just allowed the opportunity to be healthy for a few years and just give it one last run, because I'd love to compete to compete against him down the stretch of a major, and I'm sure a lot of these guys would. But just for, just for golf, just for the fans, just one more time, it would be awesome.
0: I was listening to Alan Shipnuck's podcast with Phil, and obviously everyone asks ask players, do you think Tiger will win again? And I, I usually don't find the answers very interesting, but I thought the way Phil answered it was very convincing to me And that nobody knows Tiger as a competitor better than Phil does. And Alan asked him, and Phil said, I asked him, do you think he's going to win again? Phil said, oh, yeah. Like, his instinct was just like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, there was no doubt, and he was just convinced in his voice. Do you feel the exact same way?
1: Um, I... Mm, I I hope he does. I, I, look, I I think he's swinging the club much better than people give him. Like, you know, I, I saw some reactions to the stuff last week. And, like, if you look at his backswing, I mean, where he's taking the club away, where he's putting the club at the top of the swing, it's really good. I mean, it's so plan, And if he can just get his lower body to work a little bit better through the ball, he is going to be you know he's right there he's so close and i like even that second round last week if he had held some putts and got a little bit of momentum because i mean he putted well and he, he a lot of putts just sort of achieved by the hole and if he had got a little bit of momentum on that friday you know he would have made the cut easily and you never know what could have happened on the weekend but He's he's close. He's closer than people think. I, I can assure you
0: that. Yeah, I'm for sure not burying him, especially considered you know everyone in his in his threesome missed the cut. It's a really tough golf course, especially if you're not driving it well. I was a little concerned that he wasn't swinging it as freely as he was out in the Bahamas, but I think you know the the, the width of the fairways has a lot to do with that overall difficulty yeah. of the course. I mean, and, you know, yeah.
1: Albany has 50 yard wide fairways, mm-hmm. and you know he it's you know, basically like, he knows that golf course. Obviously, he knows Tory Pines as well, but. I think the 50 degree weather didn't help either. Like I think that was yeah. going to be a big thing of keeping his back warm and making sure he was loose the whole way, whole way around. Especially, I mean, it was slow out there too. I mean, it was it was really slow. Um, so, look, I, I wouldn't read any too much into you know last week. I think Dubai this week will be a much better gauge of of how he's playing. And I think just shaking a bit of that rust off uh, I think he will be totally fine.
0: Yeah. Speaking of a few more questions and I'll let you get out of here, man. You're, I'm taking up a lot of your time, but, uh, speaking of 50, 50 yard wide fairways, I've never heard you discuss this topic. Maybe you haven't thought that far ahead, but do you ever want to get into golf course design in the future?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, look, I've, I've had a few opportunities, uh, already to, to get into golf course design. I'm actually, um, actually in the process of, of speaking to a few guys and, um, there's an offer on the table for Jack and I to, to co-design a golf course in Florida, which would be Mm. awesome. We've talked about that before. And, um, I think, you know, with, with with what, what Jack did in the past was like when he first started, he, he, I think it was Pete Dye who he teamed up with and started to, he sort of learned from Pete a little bit. And then, and then as he, as he got more comfortable with it, he, he took on a design team himself and then went out and did his own stuff. But, you know it would just be great to to tag along even just to learn from him and learn from his designers like what goes into designing a golf course and you know something that I would be really interested in one day. I mean, I'm still like i'm twenty seven years of age and right. my focus in golf is is playing golf and trying to win tournaments but um yeah, I mean it, it would be a great interest to get into. You know, one day whenever, you know, I'm not competitive anymore and I, I maybe want to stay within golf, but but do something a little different. And, you know, at 27 years of age to have the opportunity to tag along with Jack Nicklaus and, and see how they go about designing a golf course, I think would be really cool.
0: Yeah. Do you, uh, so you travel obviously everywhere for golf. We talked last time um, about how much you enjoy your time at home when you're actually able to get it. Uh, but I noticed uh, when you went down to South Africa, you went down a few days early. You, you guys did a safari uh, in Kruger while you were down there. I was curious if you had somewhere on your list or somewhere you'd like to go in the world just for solely for personal travel. Golf clubs aren't coming. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys are doing a big honeymoon or anything like that. But where is somewhere that you want to go in the world for personal travel?
1: Yeah, we, um, yeah, there's a lot of places. I'd love to go to the South Island in New Zealand um somewhere i'd love to go go to queenstown and see i mean it looks beautiful there um french polynesia bora bora you know that looks incredible too um there's actually they i think it was like the 100th anniversary of like the national parks in in the u.s last year um and like when i was over there or when i obviously i spend a lot of time in the states and um like they had this thing on the Today Show where they were going around a lot of the national parks and and sort of giving you an insight into like Yosemite and White Sands Monument and uh, all this sort of stuff. And I'd love to go and sort of just do a road trip across the United States and and see because there's so much cool stuff. Like I've never been to the Grand Canyon. Like I'd love to see the Hoover Dam. Like all this sort of stuff is is awesome. And I'd love to just. Take a car for a few weeks and go and take a road trip across America and and, and see everything there is.
0: There you go. So what? Uh, we'll end on this. We'll end on this. End this. Really lighthearted. Uh, I'm curious, Kit. Do you have like any accents that you can impersonate? Like, what's the what's you? Can you impersonate an American accent, or do you have any any go to accents you can do?
1: I can do. Uh, yeah, I can do an American accent. I think. Yeah, it's easy to do that. I just you sort of it depends. I, I'm I'm almost getting to the point where I can distinguish where someone is from in America. Well, like like for example, my fiance and her family are from Rochester, and it's very nasally up there. Like they say salad instead <laughs> of like salad, they say salad, and like yeah, their a's are very flat. So I can sort of get that, and then. Um, I mean, you can, yeah, I mean, you can You can sort of distinguish where everyone's from in the States, and um, I'm not going to try to do the accent oh, on the podcast here. Damn but, it. Uh, that, no, that, no, I'm not going to embarrass myself that much.
0: That's what I was going for. Well, my recently divorced friend that is really good at accents wants to know if a credible Irish accent will help him pick up girls at a bar. Uh,
1: it's known to work in the past, yes, that's... Um, yeah, I mean, I think any anyone with an accent in the states has a has a has a better chance at picking up someone at a bar.
0: One up advantage. All right, last one. Uh, I shouldn't have waited till the very end to ask you about it cuz I know you're excited about it. Irish Open this year at Port Stewart. How excited are you for that? Um, what kind of field are we looking at so far? Uh, and yeah, in general, how you got a, a new date for it. It's in July, I think this year. How excited are you for the Irish Open?
1: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, look, very excited for, for the Irish Open. I mean, it's, it's a tournament that's, that's always been very close to me, but, but even more so now with, with having the involvement through the foundation. Um, as you said, yeah, it's this year from uh, the 6th to the 9th of July, at Port Stewart, um, which is like three or four miles up the road from Port Rush where the Open is in a couple of years' time. Um, great golf course in its own right links course which we think is very important that the irish open stays on a links venue i mean when people come to ireland to play golf they want to play links golf so i think that's that's very important um i think it's huge that that the european tour of have, have, have elevated it to one of the rolex series events you know we were very appreciative that you know we've we've worked with keith pelly and the team and um and trying to make it this, you know, this this big event and one of the biggest on the European tour, um, seven million dollar prize fund. Um, you know, it's two weeks before the open, so you know there's a nice little bit of a length stretch going into it. Uh, you know, hopefully the weather's a little bit better. We've sort of been unlucky with the weather the last couple of years, but hopefully the, the better date in July will, will help us with that. Um, and then the field, I mean, you know, like I I feel like. You know the, the 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 location of the tournament, the um, the date of the tournament, and and even the prize fund of the tournament. It should, you know, it really should um, attract some of the some of the best golfers in the world. Like I'll still ask a few people if they want to come over and play. Um, I know a few people that played at County Down a couple of years ago. Like Ricky, he can't play because he think he's gonna he's got quick ones the week before. And then I think he's made a commitment to maybe come back and play the Scottish. Um, but there's some other guys that I know that are interested to come over and play. And um, if I can get a few of them from, you know, obviously from over in the States and hopefully, you know, it'll be a really strong European tour turnout as well. You know, it, it should be the, the best Irish Open in, in years.
0: That's what I was going to say. Is, would you, are you counting on guys to have that, uh, you know, it, was it purposeful to have it two weeks before the Open thinking that two guys might come over Maybe spend a week. Maybe either play the Scottish Open the next week or rest that week. Was it purposeful to try to run it into the Open?
1: Yeah, I was trying to get the day mm-hmm. as close to the Open as possible. I mean, that was you know that was the plan. Um, I think having two links events running into the Open works perfectly. Um, it does. It lets guys come and play a links you know links course a Lynx event, get over some jet lag. You know, if they want to play two weeks leading into the major, if they want to play the Irish Open, then a week off um and then play the open it sort of it it opens up a whole bunch of opportunities for guys to to come over and get acclimatized play some links golf and and whether they want to play the irish or the scottish or both um but it's definitely it's a better date for us and, and hopefully hopefully the guys turn out for it because you know it is it's going to be a great event great golf course and um yeah so it's it's Decent defending champion, so it's all good. I'm,
0: am coming. You got you already recruited me. I'm coming. I'm coming <laughs> yeah, this year. Perfect.
1: Yes, exactly. I'm trying to recruit all you guys. I mean, if I can get you guys to come over and and uh, and cover it and, and support the event, that's. That can only be a
0: good thing. Say no more. I'm convinced, but uh, I'm gonna let you go, man. I, I, I didn't mean to mention though. Really enjoyed your interview you did with Paul Kimmage. I thought that was awesome, and uh, I think it's awesome that you uh, that you take your time and give it to to guys like ourselves and Shane and whatnot. It's uh, I know it's really appreciated by the listeners, appreciated by all of us, and uh, your support of us. Uh, it means a lot. So thanks a ton for the time, man. Have a safe trip to Florida, and uh, we'll do it again.
1: Thank you. No, thanks for having me on. As I said, you guys are. I think you guys are the future of 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 what golf coverage is going to look like, and anything I can do to support, I'm here.
0: Much appreciated, man. Cheers. Thank you. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yes. Johnny, that's
1: better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most.